May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I want to share with you all at the outset that I have been checking my temperature all week long and thinking about Rick's sermon from last Sunday. I really want to catch the Advent fever. Uh, so it's ticked up somewhere, Rick. Uh, I hope it's going to get much higher in the next several days. But I, I really like that illustration. I really appreciated that. Now, my friends, this morning I want to begin this fourth and final meditation of this Advent season by asking each one of you an extremely important theological question. My question for all of you is this. Where have you, or where will you, place Joseph in your manger scene this year? I recently read a rather humorous article in which the author stated that of all the characters we find in our Christmas crash kits, Finding a place for Joseph in the final scene is always the most difficult. We instinctively know that the baby in the manger goes front and center with his merry mother kneeling close by his side. And we want to reserve space for those shepherds who have been tending their flocks by night along with the cattle's lowing and the donkeys gazing in adoration. And though, even though they're not due to arrive for another 12 days, we always want to leave space for those three magi, those three wise men, dressed in royal robes and bearing vessels filled with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Actually, I'm looking at the crash right over here. It's lovely. But what about Joseph? Well, he often ends up in the back, or out in the courtyard, or tucked behind a palm tree, and only partially in view. I mean, talk about no room at the inn. <laughs> Furthermore, in an unscientific poll conducted amongst extended family and friends, the author of this same article has concluded that the figure most likely to be lost in the packing and unpacking each and every year is, you guessed it, Joseph. Why? Well, my guess would be that he is viewed by many as being somewhat superfluous to the whole story, a side character keeping a lonely vigil behind the camel parked at the back of the crash. However, my friends, that is not what Matthew says to us in this morning's gospel passage. Here, Joseph is no outlier, no holy bystander. Indeed, it is through Joseph, according to Matthew, that the essential questions of who and how about Jesus are answered. So let me try and explain what I mean this morning. 
When you and I think of the Annunciation stories related to the birth of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel and in Luke's, we usually think first and foremost of the angel Gabriel's visit to Mary as found in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and I believe rightly so. I will go on record right here and now and say that of all the great biblical characters not named Jesus, I would put Mary right at the top of the list. Think about it, my friends. For her to respond to that angelic apparition, which would have scared me, I would have been running so fast in the other direction, I don't know what would have happened. For her to say to him, or to the angel, here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your will. That is the most grace-filled and most love-filled response that any human being can make to the God who loves us first. So there is very good reason why we think first and foremost about Gabriel's visit to Mary. But we also need to remember that there were two other Annunciation stories associated with the birth as well. First, there is the appearance of the angel Gabriel in the temple to Zechariah, announcing the birth of his son, John, the one sent to prepare the way of the Lord, the one who will become known as the Baptist. The other Annunciation story is, of course, the one that you and I have just heard together. Remember that Joseph is a descendant of the great King David. He is betrothed to a young woman named Mary, which means that they have already celebrated the first part of the Jewish marriage, but have not yet lived together in the same household. Joseph has discovered that Mary is pregnant, at first glance, an act of adultery. And a sin, my friends, lest you and I ever forget, punishable by great humiliation and even death. But Matthew makes it very clear that Joseph, this son of David, is a righteous man. That is, he is obedient to the law of Moses, but his obedience is tempered by a love and compassion for his young bride, a temperance that will come to full flower in his son. So Joseph decides to divorce Mary quietly, but not so fast. For God has other plans. God has included Joseph in this divine plan. The angel appears to him in a dream, and the angel invites him in. Yes, Joseph, your bride is pregnant, but this child will be like no other. For this pregnancy is by way of the Holy Spirit, and thus he will be the Son of God. Nonetheless, Joseph, he will be your son as well. You will name him, making him your legal heir. You will raise him. You will watch over him and keep him safe. You will educate him. You will have responsibility for him in the midst of society. He is your son. 
and thus a son of David. Again, lest we ever forget the great courage we often and rightly so associate with Mary is also found in Joseph. And thus the who question is answered. This child is both son of God and son of Joseph and Mary, both fully divine and fully human. Without this understanding, nothing that is to come will ever make full sense. Then there is the question of how. She will give birth to a son, and as the angel says, you must name him Jesus because he is the one to save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Yahshua, which means one who saves, or simply the deliverer. The angel goes on to say that he is the one who is to save his people from their sins. In other words, he will save them from their hamartia, their inability to reach life's ultimate goal, that being one with God, being one with the God who loved us first. This will be the mission of Jesus, the how as he seeks to assure the people that God still loves them and wants them to know through his life and through the life of his son the way, the truth, and the life. Matthew concludes the Annunciation to Joseph with the following quote from Isaiah. Now all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Look, the virgin is with child and will give birth to a son whom they will call Emmanuel, a name meaning God with us. That prophecy remains fulfilled, my friends, as much today as we prepare for Tuesday's great celebration as it did for those folks who first heard the message 2,000 years ago, and that again is through the willingness of both Joseph and Mary. The great feast that we celebrate later this week reminds us in the most powerful way that the God we believe in is the God who chose to become one of us. God is Emmanuel. Our annual celebration of Christmas declares that God has not yet tired of us. And please remember that this, this year, God will never tire of us. God continues to be with us, at work in us, reconciling us to God's self, healing us here and now, setting us free, inviting us each day to live life faithfully, fully, and well. Christmas is about thanking God for all of this. And again this morning, we have Mary and Joseph to thank as well, for this holy child is also their son. I am certain that Joseph was a most humble man, but as you know in our tradition, as we focus on quite rightly the ministry and mission of social justice, and knowing full well we live in this day and age in a world that is crying out for social justice. I raise up to you today the model of social justice embodied in Joseph. 
a compassionate man, an empathetic man, a humble man, a man concerned for those living on the margins of his society and ours. If we're looking for a model of social justice to ponder as we enter into the Christmas season, I would recommend him to your thoughts and prayers. And this year, I would also encourage you and encourage us to give him a very prominent place in our creches and in our celebration of this Christmas season. Amen. Amen.